Hello and welcome to She Found His Grace podcast. This is your host, Serena Dykeson, and I'm so glad you're here. I am happy to record my first ever episode of a podcast. I have to be honest, this last year of my life has been this wild and crazy ride with the Lord, and I wasn't sure exactly everything that He would be asking me to do, and here we are recording our first ever episode of She Found His Grace podcast. So I'm really happy you're here. I figured the first episode, I'm going to share my story so that People who don't know my story can get familiar with who I am and kind of a little bit of my background. And so I will begin just sharing my story and my heart. And then eventually we will be talking about how the church can just really be involved in pro-life ministry and how we can walk along post-abortive mothers and fathers and also how the church can get involved in the pro-life ministry aspect of things and just really how we walk alongside others well. As a post-abortive woman, abortion is just not talked about in the church. It's kind of one of those things that everybody just avoids and Uh, post-abortive mothers and fathers are really putting on a mask and pretending they're okay, but they're really not okay at all. And because the church is not talking about this, what is happening is families are literally falling apart. And we just need to get to a place where we know how to talk about that in a proper way so that these families can get the healing that they need. And I didn't even realize as a post-abortive woman that there was even ministries that were offered to help in this this situation. No one talks about abortion. You just want to forget it. And so I'm going to share a little bit of my story and then we'll get into how, how we move forward and uh, future episodes. Uh, I will probably have people as guest on on the show I know I want to invite my husband he has a whole a whole lot of knowledge as a husband who was married who who married a post abortive woman and what that looked like how that affected our family and he has just been awesome as we as as I've gone out and spoke this past year on abortion and my story And he has just been really awesome about being able to talk to other people and share what that looked like for our family. So with that, with that said, I'll just share a little bit of my story. I was 13 years old when I was raped. And as a 13 year old, you're scared to death. You have the shame of rape and you don't want to talk about that rape. It is, it is very difficult. And I didn't want to talk about it and I didn't want to go there. And after a few more, after, after weeks of just holding on to this secret, I knew that I needed to tell someone what happened. And I, and I told another student at the school and I remember my parents coming to, 
to my my middle school and just them being so upset about everything and going to our family doctor and having a pregnancy test and and I didn't even understand any of this. I was so young. I was so naive. I had never heard the word abortion. And so when this pregnancy test came back, I remember just hearing the doctor mention abortion. And I remember my mom just saying yes. And I I didn't understand any of it. And so the day that we were supposed to have the abortion, I before we even got there, let me back up, before we even got there, we were told that the people outside the clinic hated us and to make sure we walked in quickly. And I didn't grow up in a, a family that went to church. And I just, I just remember my mom just being so angry about that. And so the day of the abortion, no one no one showed, no one was outside. There was no one there. And I don't know how that would have changed things on that day, but I, I would later become a sidewalk counselor to, to talk to the ladies and the sidewalk counselors do not hate the women that go into abortion clinics. Uh, they're not protesters. In fact, there's actually different groups that go to the abortion clinic, which I was not aware of. And so there's different groups, but the sidewalk counselors are there and they are usually pretty quiet. They try to hand bags uh, to the women and they pray. They're not, they're not shaming. They're not condemning. And I know that there's some groups that do that, but that's not the sidewalk counselors. Uh, sidewalk counselors are truly there to help the women. So the day, the day of my abortion, no one was there. And when we got to the abortion clinic, the clinic separated me from my parents. And looking back, I think that they did that so that my parents wouldn't change their mind. And so as a 13-year-old, I was taken back to a counseling room, which really wasn't counseling at all. The lady just sat me down and what I remember her talking to me about was a clump of cells. And that was about the extent of what I remember. And when she asked if I was ready, I thought I was at a doctor's office. So I, I said I was ready. And she, she took me to exam room and I remember laying on the table, looking around, thinking that the place was pretty dirty and that that really wasn't how my doctor's office looked. Um, and I just remember that as a 13 year old. When it was time for the abortion, which at this point I still didn't know what abortion was. The, the abortionist walked in and I just remembered his hair and his smile and him just saying, this won't take very long. And so he began the procedure and it was the worst pain that I had ever felt in my life. And I began just crying and, and screaming. And years later, I would find my mom's journal and she would, she wrote that she could hear me, she could hear me screaming, but they wouldn't allow her to help me. After the procedure, I was taken to a room and it was an open room that there was m multiple vinyl 
brown recliners and there were other women in in the recovery room and none of us talked to each other and I was put in this this chair and I might have been offered a snack I don't remember but uh, I remember when it was when it was time to go I stood up and I hemorrhaged everywhere and they the abortionist never came to check on me. They just sent me out the door. And I I was just so weak and broken. And I remember my dad, he just had to pick me up and he had to carry me out to the car. And we never talked about that abortion ever again. We, it, But it did change our lives. My mom would struggle with... with uh, being in and out of mental institutions, my dad would end up leaving our family. My sister would dr- would struggle with drug addiction, and I would eventually struggle with drugs and alcohol myself. When I was 16 years old, I became pregnant again, and my boyfriend and I didn't know what to do. We were scared, and so we went to the place where we thought would help us and we went to Planned Parenthood. We think that Planned Parenthood came to our school for sex ed and that's how we knew about them. And so when I went into Planned Parenthood, of course I was pregnant and we we can't remember if they if there was a brochure or if they offered abortion, but when we left that appointment, I sat in my boyfriend's car and He looked at me and he said, what do you think about abortion? And that was the first time I ever shared my rape or my abortion story with him. And that day he looked at me and he said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we will figure it out. And so that day we decided that we were going to choose life for our baby. We were scared teenagers. We didn't have a lot of money. We were both in school and we didn't have a thing figured out at all. It was, it was really difficult, uh, you know, because I was pregnant and I didn't want to tell my parents. And in fact, my mom found a note and I just remember saying, yes, I'm pregnant. And then we had to talk to his parents and it was hard. It was hard telling them. He grew up in the church and we didn't know how they were going to respond. And, and you know, they just met us with grace and love. And in fact, you know, I, I remember them saying, you, you guys cannot continue to have sex. And I'm so grateful for that. And uh, my husband and I, and now my, he's now my husband. Uh, we did make the choice to not have sex until we got married. We, we chose a do over. And so we had a beautiful baby girl, March 14th. And we, uh, my husband graduated. We, we, so March 14th, we gave birth to a baby girl. And, uh, in June, we decided to get married, and so uh, that June 5th at 10 a.m. in the morning, we got married, and then that evening at 7 o'clock at night, my husband graduated high school. It was a crazy day, and I 
don't really recommend it, but we were young, we were naive, and we were, we were really determined to make this happen. So we got married, and then two years later, we added a healthy baby boy. And we just thought life was great. By the time we were 23, we had bought our first house. And we just really thought we were beating all odds stacked against us. By the time I was 25, I had a miscarriage and my I fell into a deep depression. I didn't know how to grieve the loss of my baby. And it just brought up like double dose of loss. But I didn't pinpoint it to my abortion at that point. I just had a lot of unhealed wounds and I wasn't pinpointing. Um, I, I was grieving the loss of my miscarriage, my miscarried baby, but not necessarily um, realizing that my abortion was playing into double grief. So we began to have marital issues at that point and we're really struggling and really having a hard time in our marriage. And a few years later, I my ovary ruptured and I nearly lost my life. And then I continued to have all these reproductive health issues and no one could pinpoint anything. Like I just kept going to the doctors and no one could really pinpoint anything. And they, they started to say, well, you just have endometriosis. And, but I was just, I was in a lot of pain and it was affecting me physically and mentally and my marriage was falling apart. I was having a hard time parenting my children. And by the the time I turned 29, I had a complete hysterectomy. And I, so we, we continued to move through life and when my kids hit middle school, we had another family crisis hit us and it turned my life upside down and sideways and I really was having a hard time uh, coping with life. It became apparent that I had not healed from my abortion or my sexual assault. And so then I just began drinking every single day. I would use drugs when I could use drugs. I was using prescription painkillers and smoking synthetic marijuana when I had the opportunity. And my marriage was completely falling apart. I had moved out of the house and I things were not, not good at all. And one night I met up with some friends and I had drank a lot and I had used drugs that night. And I walked out to my car and I knew I was too impaired to drive home and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had, I, I began texting people. I began calling people and no one wanted to come get me. I had burned my bridges and it would turn out that that night would be the night exactly the way God wanted it because I had nothing but to cry out to him. And so I began just crying in my car and praying and God met me and he lavished me in this love that I had never felt before. And by God's grace, I made it home and my husband welcomed me home and we uh, began 
we began working on our marriage and I began counseling. I found a great counselor who was amazing and, and he was trained in a deep trauma um, counseling and he was just amazing. He was also, uh, he was a, a believer. He believed in Jesus and he would point me back to Jesus even even in times that I didn't want to necessarily run to Jesus. There were times I didn't even want to go to my counseling sessions. I would drive up and I would think of a million ways or excuses that I could just drive out of his his parking lot because I didn't want to talk about these deep, dark secrets. I didn't want to go there. It, I, You know, I didn't want to feel judged. I didn't want to feel like I let people down. I didn't um, I didn't know how to navigate through those. And my counselor was just amazing in helping with that. And so I began my healing process and there was just several things that happened, several healing um, pieces, uh, counseling. I went to uh, uh, Next Level Life uh, out of Nashville, which helped me unpack my life and my healing and helped me understand and how to work through and get free of being a people pleaser. And also that I was notorious for trying to find my worth in a lot of different things, even though I didn't realize it. And so I just found a lot of freedom with that. And then also I, when God asked me to share my story, which I will get into that more at a later time, but when God asked me to share my story, I felt pretty healed at that point. And I had women asking me, have you gone to post-abortive healing? And and I'll be honest, I'm just, you know, we're going to be, this is a podcast where we're super honest. But I remember just kind of like rolling my eyes a little bit and I'm like, yeah, I've gone through healing, not post-abortive healing, but I've gone through healing. I feel pretty good. And something that I always tell people that I minister to is I won't ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I I decided to go to my first post-abortive retreat. And I tell you, there is nothing like it. If you are post-abortive, I cannot recommend going to these retreats enough. It was the first time that I felt like I could mourn the loss of my child as a post-abortive woman. And there was a ton of healing that happened that weekend. And so I have been to two of those retreats now. And that is something that I always tell women or men when they reach out and they want to start sharing their story after hearing my story, I always recommend that they go to post-abortive healing because there are going to be things that come at us and we just need to have the tools to navigate through that. And there is nothing wrong with continuing our healing. There's nothing wrong with that. And if we ever think we've gotten to a point where we've arrived, we're only fooling ourselves. And so that is something that I just talk about all the time. But this is just a little bit of my story. There's more to my story. I actually have a book that I wrote that's coming out in October. I have a ministry page called She Found His Grace 
ministry and on my page, I talk about a lot of things on there. Um, Currently, what we have going on is we're helping a mom in the UK. Uh, She just chose to... uh, to keep her baby she was abortion minded and she's now going to keep her baby so we have a gift registry on there that you can hop on and you can help her with that um we have another mom in africa who has chose life and we are a we've been able to connect her to heartbeat international a pregnancy recent resource center in her her community and we have other moms we we have moms reach out all the time and so we have just been blessed this past year to be able to walk alongside women from all over the uh, the world uh also i love talking about being a sidewalk counselor if you uh if you're wanting to get involved in being a sidewalk counselor you can contact your local right to life in your your city in your state and just ask how you can be trained to be a sidewalk counselor i am truly an advocate for having people in front of the abortion clinic studies show that cars won't pull in if there are people out there praying and one thing that i know for certain in my life is prayer changes everything So I'm happy that you're here. We will continue uh, to record future episodes and share how the church can really walk alongside post-abortive mothers and fathers and just really get involved in the pro-life movement. Uh, Something that I've seen in the last year that I really wasn't aware of is the... um, the Catholic Church has gotten this thing right, and the Protestant Church is really lagging behind. And we really need to be talking about how we can be pro-life in the church. We we have it's one in four women have abortions, and so that's that's a pretty high number. And they're sitting there silently suffering, and either they think you don't care. And here they're trying to put on a mask and they're, they're not coping very well. Or when the church is not talking about abortion, we're saying it's okay. And I talked to lots of Christian women who have had abortions. And then, you know, they, they have abortions and they're struggling with, um, they're just really struggling with that God can never forgive them. And that has just really jacked up their relationship with the Lord. It's messing up their families. And so I look forward to digging into this more and how we can really do this pro-life movement and do it well and and not look at it as it's a political issue, but this is really a heart issue, a heart transformation issue. And so I look forward to... uh, you joining me again on She Found His Grace podcast. Be blessed.